All right. All right, sports fans. How are you doing? This is After the Gig. This is Jesse Humphrey. It's, oh, who knows? Um, I am home. I am sitting in my bed. And there I'm looking through my calendar and there's nothing in it. So here we are. Here we are. We're a bunch of people that love music with no place to go to see music. But luckily, we can listen to as much of it as we want at home. We're in the car. And uh, there's a lot of people in the cars these days doing nothing, just out on the road, lots of traffic. Um, I don't know, man. I am at the point where I'm starting to crack. I'm getting frustrated really easily. I'm snapping really easily. Um, not sna- not like in a bad way, but... Uh, well, def- it, yes, in a bad way, but like snapping, like just getting aggravated by a lot of the things that I see and hear. And, you know, I can't go... I can't scroll through Facebook to see like what people are up to these days. All I see on Facebook are a bunch of crazy conspiracy theories about this virus. There's like no truth to any of it. It's just it's just out of control. Everyone's become some kind of expert on on this thing. And uh I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm starting to crack. I was talking to Dan Mills uh the other day <clears throat> and um we were talking about how like I play a lot of music and there's a lot of people out there that, that play music all the time. A lot of musicians, obviously that have had their shows canceled, but there is also the musician, you know, Dan doesn't play out, doesn't tour as much as, you know, some other musicians do. And we were talking yesterday. He's like, I'm at my tipping point where I need to play a show or I'm going to go crazy. Um, and I started to realize I was like, wow, Maybe, maybe that's why I'm just getting so annoyed with stuff. And, um, I don't know. I thought, I thought I would be, I thought I would be better at just like not going out and not seeing things. But like when, without dealing with people and without going out and without doing things, the little interactions I have with people, um, via online have been just like blown out of proportion and I hate it I hate that um but yeah I'm starting to crack I'm like I can't do the thing that I love to do and uh Dan described it that way too it's like this thing that like we spent our lives working on and trying to figure out how to do it for a living I can't do it right now I can't do it and I don't know. And the worst part about it is I don't know when I'm going to be able to do it again. Yeah, there's shows on the books, but stuff keeps getting pushed back. Things keep getting canceled. It's like, it's really, really frustrating. And, uh, you know, I, what, like, what, what do we do? <laughs> it's like, uh, I, I don't know what to say. It's like, yes, we don't want, to open things up early so people get sick and die from this disease. But I don't like who 
I don't know. I don't want to say anything insensitive um, from, you know, the perspective of someone sitting in an apartment that is staying away from the news largely. Um, but I don't know. I just, uh, I hope, I don't know if you guys also share in the same frustration. I mean, we must, we must all share in the same frustration. Like I said, people are out on the roads driving around in Providence near where I I live. There's people out on the street, no masks, walking around on nice days. It's like, I feel like it's going to come to a point where everyone's like, fuck this. (laughs) Like, what are we doing? You know, it's just, um, ah, God, it's, it's rough. It's rough and it feels shitty. And I don't know, I haven't talked to, um, I'd like to talk to some of these, some of my musician friends. Um, that's what this show is about, but I'd like to get in there and talk to them about, uh, how they feel and how they feel about that because, you know, the live stream thing is cool and everything. Um, I've definitely enjoyed doing it. It's definitely helped me get that side of my, uh, I don't know, just performing for people. Like I, I really enjoy to perform for people and getting that kind of, uh, thing that scratch itched has been really, really great. But man, I can't imagine everybody is like really super psyched about doing all these things all the time a lot of times i go on it's like people people will play and they're they're happy to do it they're happy that people are watching but it's like man you gotta want to be in front of people you gotta want to be in a club you gotta want to be um you know hear hear the rumble of the bass and hear the cymbals and hear the snare drum crack and hear the guitars break up and guitar solos feel the sweat off the stage like you got to want that really bad right now, as bad as I want it right now. Um, <clears throat> it's rough. It's really, really rough. And um, I really feel for all of the musicians uh, and performers that can't do what they want to do right now. It's uh, It's a bummer because I'm starting to feel it. I'm starting to crack. I'm starting to get angry. I'm starting to be a little perturbed about it. Um, I don't know who to believe <laughs> online and who to, who to go to. I don't see any answers. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I just, you know, and I don't, I'm not saying this to depress anybody. Obviously it's not the most uplifting, uh, beginning to a podcast in the world but this is just how how it is how i feel this is how i'm sure a lot of musicians feel right now and it's um it's not fucking fun and it's not cool uh like man i i want to i'm at the point where i want to set up some kind of like what's going to happen we are do we have to become the promoters and say hey you know what if you want to see live music and you feel comfortable with it, I'm setting up a backyard show and you come over and you play the back. We'll play the backyard show. We'll get in front of people. We'll all enjoy ourselves. Everyone wears their mask, whatever, whatever I have to do. If I have to wear a mask to play drum, like I'll fucking do it at this point. I don't care. 
I'm like, I don't want anyone to get sick, but I'm just so beyond, I'm, I, I'm just beyond frustrated. Um, yeah, that's, that's where those are the thoughts going through my head. <clears throat> but I will not go as far to be out in a huge loaded crowd of protesters uh, that could be sick. <laughs> I think that's kind of dumb and not, and just, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I'm, I'm very happy and okay with, with the slow opening of, of things, if it's safe and if things don't spike up again, because I definitely don't want to be back in this situation in the fall, like everyone not doing anything, uh, all my, um, restaurant worker friends, not having jobs, not being able to pay their rent. Um, you know, just people really getting taken, not taken advantage of, but re people really, um, uh, reeling from this whole, whole experience that we are all going through. Uh, but man, if this is, if this has taught me anything, it's that, uh, teachers are grossly underappreciated and underpaid, uh, that like the people that make the, make the country go and provide our education, uh, you know, delivery drivers, people that like, they're just grossly, uh, taken advantage of. And, uh, I think at the end of this thing, those are the things I need to change. We need to get smarter and we need to take people, take care of the people that make us smarter. <clears throat> um, all right. Okay. So, uh, one thing that I saw on the, after the gig, um, if you've made it this far, <laughs> one thing, uh, that I saw this week on the, after the gig page that, um, Nicole Lavallee posted was an article, um, an article by the Atlantic. So I think Dave Grohl wrote it and submitted it to the Atlantic and it's about the day the live concert returns. So I'm just going to go through this and I mean, excuse me. I mean, this is coming from a vastly different perspective because I think the majority, you know, you have these huge bands that um, are obviously suffering. You know, it's all relative. They're probably, you know, if you're going out for an arena tour, you're going to make, you're making millions of dollars, you're making merch, whatever. <clears throat> but it's it's really the, the bands that are... Uh, slinging it in the clubs and uh, small theaters and stuff like that that are that are really really struggling right now um let's see do live concert returns story by dave grohl if you don't know who dave grohl is you need to lift up that rock you need to crawl out you need to start by listening to nirvana um where were you planning on being for the 4th of July this year? Backyard barbecue with your crankiest relatives? No, because I'm not going to hang out with cranky relatives. 
fighting over who gets to light the illegal fireworks. I hear a derelict cousin smuggled in from South Carolina. That's pretty funny. Uh, or maybe out on the Chesapeake Bay arguing about uh, arguing about the amount of mayonnaise and the crab cakes while drinking warm national Bohemian beer. No. Get a refrigerator. Put it in the refrigerator. <clears throat> Better yet, tubing down the Shenandoah, the Shenandoah, with a soggy hot dog while blasting Grand Funk Railroads. We're an American band. That sounds pretty fun. <clears throat> He's very descriptive in his writing. And yes, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read this thing. Uh, I know exactly where I was supposed to be. FedEx Field. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. FedEx Field outside Washington, D.C. with my band, Foo Fighters, and roughly 80,000 of our closest friends. Our closest friends. Pretty. Yeah. It's patronizing. Um, We were going to be celebrating the 25th anniversary. Wow. That, wow. Of their debut album. That album came out 25 years ago. A red, white, and blue keg party for the ages. It was primed to be an explosive affair shared by throngs of my sunburned hometown brothers and sisters singing along to more than a quarter century of food. Um, man. Well, that's impressive. 80,000 people at a show. Imagine going to a show right now with 80,000 people knowing what you know now about the coronavirus. So just that sentence alone, I'm like, I don't know when that happens. They don't want to, they don't want to have people at sporting events. They don't want to do it. And I'd say you're relative. I mean, I don't know. You're kind of on top of each other anyway, but a concert where everyone's dancing, grinding up on each other, maybe not a Foo Fighters concert, but you know, sweaty, coughing, sneezing. Just think of that picture. Think of that picture and think of how long it will take to reverse how we feel now about sickness and viruses and all being in one place. I can't walk down the street without somebody looking at me weird like, oh, oh, he looks, he looks kind of weird. Um, so I don't know. Well, things have changed, says Dave Grohl. Unfortunately, the Cronus. Oh, God. I can't read for the life of me, let alone read out loud. Um, so sorry. Sorry, you're learning something new about me. Unfortunately, the coronavirus pandemic has reduced today's live music to an unflattering little window that looked like doorbell security footage and sound like Neil Armstrong's distorted transmissions from the moon. That's not like, see. <clears throat> It's being, what he's not saying here is that, hold on, let me finish this paragraph so then I'll say something about it. It's enough to make Max's headroom seem lifelike. I don't know what that means. Don't get me wrong. I can deal with the monotony and limited cuisine, cuisine of quarantine. My lasagna game is on point. And I know that those <clears throat> those of us who don't have to work in hospitals or deliver packages are the lucky ones. But still, I'm hungry for a big old plate of sweaty, ear-shredding, live rock and roll ASAP. The kind that makes your heart race, your body move, and your soul stir with passion. Yeah. 
Duh. Obviously. Obviously. We all want that. We all want that. But what you're not saying here is that it, it doesn't sound or look like that. Sometimes it does. If you've watched my live streams, you know that things can go terribly wrong. But there's ways to make it better. And there's people that are out there making it better, making the most of it. So I'm not going to discount any um, any person that is live streaming. It's not the ideal scenario. And yeah, I would much rather be around people uh, playing a show, doing all those really fun things, especially in front of 80,000 people. Um, but I mean, I don't know. We've, we're strong, resilient people. And I, from what I've seen, uh, personally in just my own live streams and stuff, people have, have been having it on the, the big screens in their house, been having like little watch parties. It's been really, really great. And people are really making the best of the things. Um, and man, I have such a crabby attitude right now. So, (laughs) There's nothing like the energy and atmosphere of live music. It is the most life-affirming experience to see your favorite performer on stage in the flesh rather than as a one-dimensional image glowing um, in your lap as you spiral down a midnight YouTube wormhole, which is also really fun. I mean, you're doing that more than you're going out, or at least I am. Even our most beloved superheroes became human in person, become human in person. Can't read Imagine being at Wembley Stadium in 1985 as Freddie Mercury walked on stage for the Live Aid Benefit concert, forever regarded as one of the most triumphant live performances of all time, clocking in at a mere 22 minutes. Wow, it was only 22 minutes. Um, Freddie and Queen somehow managed to remind us that behind every rock god is someone who puts on their studded arm bracelet, absurdly tight white tank, um, <laughs> in stonewashed jeans, one leg, one pant leg at a time. That makes gold records. Um, just like the rest of us. But it wasn't necessarily Queen's musical magic that made history that day. It was Freddie's connection with the audience that transformed that uh, dilapidated soccer stadium into a sonic cathedral. Yeah, I mean, can't argue with that. In uh. <clears throat> In broad daylight, he majestically made 72,000 people his instrument, joining them in harmonious unison. I mean, Freddie was the best at that. When it comes to um, making the crowd do do what he wants, he was the best. As a lifelong concert goer, I know this feeling well. I myself have been pressed against the cold front rail of an arena rock show. I've air drummed along to my favorite songs on the rafters and been crushed by the crowd. I mean, all of this, what he's saying in this article so far, I know it's going to change. It's got to change because we get it. He's just he's just pushing the point along of how good it feels to be at a concert. It feels really good. Dave feels really good. Well, it's yeah. Um, where am I? Sung at the top of my lungs with people I may never see again. Yeah, and that's a great feeling. How about when you're at a concert and you're in the audience and you have someone that's, you have your group of people that you're with, but you're also like way more open to saying hello and meeting the person next to you. 
So like you're there and you're like, you know, because you're in this experience together. You you are at your common ground. You are at the place where you uh, where you have something in common with the person next to you. And it's the band that's playing. So, I mean, if someone's next to you smoking a joint, that that feeling when they look at you and they offer it to you, that is like, that's amazing. That's an amazing experience when someone you don't know is like, hey, want to get high with me? So, that's one thing, the great thing about a concert. Um, all right, Dave, come on. When you take away the pyrotechnics and confetti of an arena rock concert, what are you left with? Just people? I think you forgot about the music, bro. Um, no, I mean, well, half of the time, people don't. I mean, most of the shows that I go to, there's no pyro. There's, no, there's none of that. I mean, if if a band is doing that stuff, they're really going above and beyond. That That's not like a huge arena band. Um, so... <clears throat> I will never forget the night I witnessed you two perform at what used to be called the MCI Center in D.C. This was their 2001 Elevation Tour, a massive production. I waited for the lights to go out so I could lose myself in magnificent magnificent state-of-the-art rock show. To my surprise, the band walked on stage without any introduction, house lights fully illuminated, and kicked into the first song, beneath their harsh fluorescent glow <clears throat> without the usual barrage of lasers and LED screens we've all become accustomed to. Interesting. The brilliant move stunned the audience and began an unforgettable concert in a very raw personal note. And that's that's interesting. I don't know. Maybe some of you guys went to that tour. Um, but I'm just trying to imagine it in my head right now. And it's that's really that's a really interesting way to start a show. Not bad, not like not necessarily. I don't know. That's that's a really uh, that's a really cool production creative choice. Maybe it was by accident. Maybe it was. Uh, oh, the next sentence is: This was no accident. This was no accident, mind you. It was a lesson in intimacy. This guy actually kind of reminds me of the scene. In, uh, have I said that a bunch already? This actually reminds me the scene in the movie Ray, where Ray is playing on stage. He's playing a ballad, and the stage manager, <clears throat> no, it's pretty chatty. And the stage manager notices that it's really chatty, so he tells the lighting, the LD lighting director, to bring the lights down. The lights come down, everyone shuts the fuck up. Um, so it's an interesting. It's an interesting move. Um, without all the strobes and lasers, the room shrank to the size of a dirty nightclub at last call. Every blemish in plain view. And with that simple gesture, we were reminded that we are all indeed just people. People that need to connect with one, one another. All right, Dave, I see what you're doing here. I'm starting to come around. One night before a Foo Fighters show in Vancouver, my tour manager alerted me that the boss himself... Bruce Springsteen was in attendance. Uh, cue paralyzing nerves. Yeah, that feeling when even someone that you know, the uh, I mean, this is, again, can't really relate to anything on this article. 80,000 people, Bruce Springsteen coming to your show. Uh, you know, pyro lasers. 
Um, I wondered how it could possibly perform. You could figure it out in front of this legendary showman, uh, famous for his epic concerts that span four hours. Let's talk about that for a second. Too long. The concert's too long, Bruce. It's too long. Uh, play more concerts for less time. Um, yeah, it's too long to go see a show. Who can be on their feet for four hours? Like that's it's just it's crazy. Oh man, crazy. I surely can never lift up to his lofty expectations. What are you talking about? He played in Nirvana, dude. You're in the Foo Fighters. It turns out he was there to see the opening band. <laughs> Cue devastating humiliation. So I was off the hook. Uh, but we chatted briefly before the gig, and I was again reminded of not only the human being behind every superhero, but also the reason millions of people identify with him. He is real. Three hours later, <clears throat> as I sat on a locker room bench recovering from the show, drenched in my own sweat, there was a knock on the door. Wonder who that was. Bruce wanted to say hello. Having actually stayed for our set, Q uh, it's really funny how he's talking as if he was like some some band playing at like O'Brien's Pub in Boston, and and you know Bruce Springsteen stayed to the end. You're the Foo Fighters. <laughs> um, generously thanked us and commented uh, and commented on our performance specifically the rapport we seem to have with our audience something he obviously understood very well when asked where he watched the show from he said that he stood in the crowd just like everyone else of course he did he was searching for that connection too a few days later and here's here's uh, here's the part that people were asking about a few days later I received a letter from Bruce handwritten on hotel stationery that explained this very clearly when you look out at the audience, he wrote, you should see yourself in them, just as they should see themselves in you. Not to brag, but I think I've had the best seat in the house for 25 years because I do see you. Oh, this is his response. Um, let's see. <clears throat> I think as an artist, you have to... And this is not necessarily me speaking as an art artist. This is, this is my perception of it um, from an outside perspective. But I, I think that there's people, that there's artists that do a really, really great job of taking their own life experiences and relating to regular people's experiences, which a musician is a regular person. It's someone that has a talent and can do something really well, whether the talent's writing a song or playing an instrument. Um, that, but the ability to write a song that someone can pinpoint a moment in time in their life makes that artist and makes that song uh, larger than life. And that's why they're, that's why fans exist. That's why people come out to shows. I, when I'm sitting behind the drums, I'm trying to execute a thing well. And only then, if it's happening to the best of our ability and, and it's like, it feels good, 
then you can extend it out to the crowd. And of course, I mean, we're on stage to provide an experience for you. It's the same way I expect to go to a show and have someone perform and create an experience for me. I don't look at the people on stage as if they're superheroes. I mean, if if I'm going to make a comparison, when I go to see a John Mayer concert, <clears throat> um, who I'm a huge fan of, as you all already know, or even when I would go see like 311 concerts as a kid, or when I went to go see D'Angelo, or um, I don't know, when I went to see Paul McCartney, like... You see, you see these people and you, and you hope, like I, I would be a little disappointed if they didn't play as well as I thought they should. The songs sometimes aren't, I think they, I think you have to do that to get your full message across. You have to execute well, but we're all there. We're all in this together and when you are playing to people and you see their reactions and you see them uh, yelling and singing the lyrics of songs that you wrote um, or songs that you play all the time, I mean, it's like, what, what's better than that? There's nothing better than that. It's, uh, it's a pretty, it's a very unique experience and I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to find something to compare it to for someone that's not a musician. Um, it's like getting, <laughs> it's like getting a promotion every second for two hours. <laughs> you know, it's like, it just, it feels great. It, it's just, you know, you know that you're in one place and you all have one particular thing in common. Nothing else matters and you're doing it. And it's great. And um, that's that's cool shit. <laughs> and I felt that way even before I gave a shit about lyrics. Like before that, you know, sometimes if, if there was a song that made me feel a certain way, I was like, I like this groove. I like the way that the chords feel. But then I didn't I didn't like dig deep into into words and meanings. Now, a song that I thought maybe was bad because I didn't like, you know, the way the drum sounded, or I didn't like the guitar, or there was just something weird tonally, but I like the singer's voice, and I like the lyrics, and I related to something, then it doesn't matter. <clears throat> it, then, then it just doesn't matter. I like it when it all comes together in one package, but um, that's a whole other thing. Let's see. Where am I? Not to brag. <clears throat> Uh, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to, you know, I, I love Dave Grohl. I think Dave Grohl is fantastic. He is, uh, you know, kind of rock royalty. He's up there. And, uh, you know, his experience is vastly different than mine, but um, it's, way, it's better, way better. Um, not to brag, but I think I've had the best seat in the house for 25 years because I do see you. I see you press against the cold front rails. I see you air drumming along to your favorite songs and the distant rafters. I see you lifted above the crowd and carried to the stage <clears throat> for a glorious swan dive back into its sweaty embrace. 
I see your homemade signs and your vintage t-shirts. I hear your laughter and your screams. I see your tears. I've seen you yawn. Yeah, you. Come on. Yawning is involuntary, dude. <sighs> Sorry. I had a teacher when I was in middle school that said, if you yawned, you'd get in trouble. So I worked so hard for a whole year. I think it was like sixth or seventh grade. I worked so hard to not yawn in math class. Of all classes to not yawn, that's damn near one of the hardest ones. Um, but I did it. I didn't get in trouble. I've seen you in a hurricane for, in, hurricane, uh, in hurricane force winds and 100 degree heat and sub-zero temperatures. I've seen some of you grow older and become parents now with your children's day glow protective headphones. Um, bouncing, uh, bouncing on your shoulders. <clears throat> Sorry for my reading. And each night when I tell our lighting engineer to light them up, I do so because I need that room to shrink. And to, yeah, I mean, and that's so true. I mean, when you play a big room and there's all lights and it's, and it's huge, it can feel a bit isolated up on stage. You can feel a bit like you're in your practice space and there's really no one else there. Especially if you have any of your monitors and all the sound is pretty much blocked out other than what you're hearing, other than what you want to hear. <clears throat> so, I think that's a good point to make, Dave. Good job, Dave. Uh, do that because I need that room to shrink and to join, uh, to join with you as one under the harsh fluorescent glow. Um, <clears throat> in today's world of fear and unease, unease and social distancing, it's hard to imagine sharing experiences like these ever again. Yeah, like I said before, can you imagine 80,000 people in a room after everything you know now? Crazy. I don't know when it will be safe to return to singing arm in arm at the top of our lungs. Probably safe now. Um, hearts racing, bodies moving, souls bursting with life. But I do know that we will do it again. I agree with you, Dave. Because we have to. It's not a choice. We're human. We need moments that reassure us that we are not alone. That's really important. Uh, that we are understood. That we are imperfect. And most important, that we need each other. I have shared my music, my words, my life with the people who come to our shows. <clears throat> and they have shared their voices with me. Without fat audience, that screaming sweating audience uh my songs will only be sound but together we are instruments in a son in a sonic cathedral one that we built together night after night and one that we will surely build again yeah i mean i feel like it's pretty essential gatherings as humans like uh, it hurts man it hurts not to not be together and to just read everything online and on Facebook and to, I mean, you can really wallow in that. You can really go down a dark wormhole as I have the last, I'd say a couple of days after I just haven't feeling good. And reading, reading the article makes me feel a little better. Um, <clears throat> just that, you know, someone else feels that it's absolutely necessary to do this again. We have to, we have to, I mean, it's going to come to the point where we just, we need to do it. If, if, we have to do it ourselves and and have private shows man i'm i'm all for it i'm all about it 
as long as it can be done safely and people feel comfortable. I think that's, I think that's a big thing. People need to feel comfortable around other people again, because it's, it sucks. It sucks, sucks. Um, all right, guys, that was a cool article. Thanks for sharing that on, uh, on the after the gig page. If you haven't already subscribe to the, uh, to the show please tell me tell me what you guys what your favorite part about show any show favorite artist favorite show why you go to see shows do you listen to the lyrics do you listen to um do you listen to the music do you listen to like what what are you hearing when you hear music because everyone hears it differently and um i want to know what you think <clears throat> um all right guys i think that's it that's it for today me reading an article and uh taking unfair jabs at dave Grohl. i think that's i think that's today's episode thank you guys all so much for listening to last week with gavin i will be live streaming eight o'clock p.m eastern standard time playing some guitar, singing some songs, probably having some technical difficulties, but it's going to be fine. If I go away, I will come back. <clears throat> and uh, really, guys, if you have any words of encouragement for me as well as those uh, music things and um, how you guys feel about going to shows, I really want to know. I want to know from everyone. If you listen to this, if you made it this far, send an email to afterthegigpod at gmail.com. And, uh, tell me, tell me, uh, tell me how you feel about the whole thing because it sucks and, um, yeah, it sucks. Okay. Love you guys so much and stay safe, be well, and I will hopefully see it on Facebook and, uh, folks.
Say you 